I want to just dive right into the word this morning, if that's okay. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15. If you're a guest today, we say welcome. We're so happy that you're here. As I look across this room today, I see mostly home folks, but uh, we're glad that each and every one of you are here today. As Daddy's already mentioned, at the conclusion of this service for our church family, uh, if you're a guest today, you are by no means under any obligation to participate in that part of the service, but, but we, would, uh, we know that you, as our church family, you've been praying about uh, that particular uh, time of worship today at the end of this service when we bring our building life uh, first fruits offering and uh, our pledges today. We're so very excited about that and the next phase that God has for our church. First Corinthians 15 verse eight, it says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word, which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren brethren at once, of whom the greater part still remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Listen to verse 8. Then last of all, He was seen by me also as one born out of due time. Easter is founded on a witnessed, documented event. It's historical. It's not a fable. It's not an imagination. It's not the imagination of a religious community. It really happened. This wasn't a resuscitation. This was not some near-death experience. This is not one of those, I saw the great white light uh, stories. Jesus truly died. He died. Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of a life that was dead. Buried, and after three days came back to life and is now alive forevermore. That's what the story of Easter is. Easter is based on solid testimonies of people who were reliable witnesses. The credibility of this story that we're celebrating today, the credibility is based on, on it's really twofold. There's two ways that we can verify and bring credibility to this story. First of all, it was by the great number of witnesses that Paul just got through describing in Corinthians. It, it wasn't one or two that said they saw him. In fact, in one instance, he said there was over 500 who saw him all at one time after the resurrection. Nail prints in his hands and in his feet. Each one of these eyewitnesses gave the same account. This one, this is the one who was dead, and now he's alive. And even though the guards of the tomb had been paid off to say that his body was stolen, there were over 500 reliable witnesses saying, we saw him, we saw him. The question is, what do you do with a man who won't stay dead? What do you do with a man who won't stay dead? These witnesses had no reason to lie. They had no reason to say this except for the fact that they truly saw him. The second basis of credibility for this story is that the Bible has been proven. It has been proven by secular historians to be an authentic documentation of history. 
scholars of ancient literature, not just religious or Christian people, but scholars, they agree that the Bible is the most reliable, unchanged document passed down from ancient history. And the Bible says, he lives. And the witnesses say, he lives. And people who deny this fact are simply ignorant of history. It's just that simple. So we acknowledge today that it happened. We acknowledge that he rose again. We acknowledge that he who was truly, completely, earthly dead is now alive. But now we celebrate not just that Easter happened, but that Easter is happening today. That it applies to you and me right now in this day and age in 2019. That Jesus rose from the dead proving his claim to be the Messiah. To be the Savior, the Redeemer, the uh, the Son of God, the God of eternal life. And he gave that same life to us. So today it's not just a historical fact, but it is something that is living and breathing. And it applies to you and me today. We say a lot of things about Jesus. We describe him in a lot of ways. There's a lot of names and attributes that we give him. But one of those things today is simply this. Jesus is undefeated. Would you say that with me? He is undefeated. He's undefeated. They knocked him down, but they could not put him out. Jesus is undefeated and he is alive forevermore and he promises that he will meet you and he will meet me in the same way today that he met those at his post-resurrection and while Jesus is certainly the main character of this Easter story I'd like for us to look at another character for a few minutes this morning maybe someone that you and I can relate to a little bit more someone that we probably have a little bit more in common with and that's the character Simon Peter how many of you know the guy you, you, you've read about him. You know a little bit about the kind of person that he is and the way he lived and reacted to life and situations of life. What we see in Simon's, Simon Peter's experience around this resurrection story lets us, lets us know that even though, even though we might have been knocked down, it does not mean that we have been knocked out. See, this story applies to us. It let us, it lets us know that we might have fumbled in a bad moment in our lives, but our comeback can be greater than whatever that is that caused us to fall back. The story of his life before the resurrection, the story of Simon Peter's life before the resurrection was one of always starting well, but finishing poorly. That's what his whole story, that was the way his life played out from that phenomenon, that 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 incredible moment of him walking on water to just moments later having to be picked up by Jesus and embarrassingly put back on the boat because he had taken his focus and his and his face off of Jesus and began to look at the winds and the waves and he allowed his fear to overrun his faith. From that from the one who during that awkward moment of silence when Jesus asked that question that no one seemed to have an answer to when he said, who do men say that I am? It was Peter the one who 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 rose up in that moment and he says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. It was just an amazing, this, this revelation moment, this incredibly powerful moment in, Paul, in Peter's life, in that moment where he revealed something so amazing and Jesus responded to him and said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You have received this divinely. But it was just minutes later. 
It was just minutes later after this amazing moment that Simon Peter had that Jesus is looking at him and saying, Satan, get behind me. See, he had these, he had these amazing starts with some awful finishes. I think about that moment in the garden when, when the, when those, when those guards came to, to arrest Jesus. It was Peter the one who became the defender of Jesus. It was, it was Simon Peter the one who took the sword and began to, and cut off the ear of the soldier, defending Jesus. Though he was wrong in what he did, you gotta, you gotta admire the fact that he stood up to the occasion. He rose up for the moment. He was defending Jesus and this great defender of Jesus. It wouldn't be many hours later that he would be the ultimate denier of Jesus. Talk about starting well and finishing poorly every single time. But I have to admit to all of you today that I see a little bit of myself in these great starts and these pitiful endings that I see in Simon Peter's life. Like many of us in this room today, I've had some incredible starts with some pretty pitiful, awful endings. I've I've began many different chapters in this journey called life with the the very best of intentions. And then I began to experience that sinking feeling as Simon Peter did on the water. And I began to take my eyes off of Jesus and I, I began to be distracted and I allowed my fear to override my faith. For many of us in this room today, that's our story. We can look back over our life and that's our story. We had a great idea. We had a great ambition. We we believed well, but somehow or another the story didn't end the way we started. We started well, but we ended poorly. It's our story. And maybe for some of us, we're here in a church house today on Easter Sunday morning. And really, it was all that we could do to pick ourselves up today. It was all that we could do to even make ourselves feel worthy to even go to a house of worship. Because we mean well, but all around us in our lives are the reminders. It's the wake of the decisions that we made and the failures that we've had in our lives. We may have started well, but as we all know, as the bumper sticker says, I'll say the G-rated form today, life happens. Anybody in the room today had just had life happen? You were going along and life was grand and everything was fine. All the bills were paid and everybody was healthy, wealthy and well. But then all of a sudden, life happened. You woke up one morning and life happened. What I want us to draw from the story of the resurrection today is this. Despite the many times that Simon Peter started well and ended poorly, he was one of the first ones that Jesus wanted to see after his resurrection. If you remember the encounter with the angel said to to the women at the tomb, he says, go and tell his disciples and Peter. In other words, go tell everybody that Jesus is coming to see him. He's got an appointment with him. But you make sure, above all else, that Simon Peter knows that I want to see him. Out of all the people he could have appeared to, at the top of the list of the people that Jesus said he wanted to see after he came out of the grave, was that one who started well and finished poorly every single time. To be honest, from a human perspective, I find it surprising that Jesus would reward this unreliable, undependable, this fly-off-the-handle guy with this special appearance right after the resurrection. It's puzzling to me. But the fact is, 
is that this very story, this very action on the part of our Lord post-resurrection gives security to each and every one of us. It gives each one of us a promise today. And the promise is this. God never loses patience with people who try to walk in a miracle but slide back. Back in the old day, we used to talk about backsliders. Any of y'all come from a church where they talked about backsliders? I don't know about all that anymore, but I will tell you this. God never stops pursuing us. It doesn't matter what we think about ourselves. It doesn't matter what we believe about ourselves. It doesn't matter what our past says. God is pursuing us. The promise is, is that God doesn't give up on people who say the wrong thing or they goof up or even people who deny him. Can I tell you something today? I'm not intimidated by atheists. I don't feel like I have to fight with someone. I don't have to debate with someone. I don't have to argue with someone who doesn't believe in God. That's not my place, and that's not your place. Peter wasn't supposed to be the defender of Jesus, and neither are we. Jesus can speak for himself. My first encounter with someone who didn't believe was in college. Up to that point, I had never met anyone who denied the living Savior. And since then, I've had many encounters with people who were self-proclaimed atheists or they just don't believe in God. And I'm not intimidated by that. And I'm not going to try to change anybody's mind. I just want people ultimately through your life and my life, through the relationship, through the love of God, for them to know that even though they don't believe in him, he still believes in them. And if they ever get that revelation, it changes everything. You may have given up on him. But he's not giving up on you. He still wants to see you. He still wants to connect with you. He still wants to meet with you. He is still looking and he is still pursuing you. And he is undefeated. And because he's undefeated, our story of two steps forward and then three steps backward can be defeated as well. We can overcome and we can have a comeback. We also can be undefeated. Jesus was dead. His body was was cleansed and it was prepared. And it was prepared in grave clothes. And he was placed in a tomb with armed guards at the entry. You don't usually guard graves because you don't usually expect any activity there. Or at least you hope there's not going to be. But this man, Jesus... When he went down, he went down saying some things. He went down saying things like, uh, no one can take my life unless I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I will pick it back up again. And isn't it funny? Isn't it funny how all these who who said, we don't believe any of that nonsense, yet somehow we've decided we're going to go guard the tomb anyway. Three days dead. Three days dead. If we were the bystanders that day, if you were one of the bystanders, or honestly, if we were one of the followers of Jesus, one of the intimate crowd, it would seem, it would seem, it would feel like all of our emotions would tell us, all of our, all of our natural vision and, per, and perception would tell us that even Jesus started well, but finished poorly. It, it, it would seem that way. But the fact is, Jesus got up. He got up. The whole theme of Christianity is one of getting up. And it's not just a theme of getting up, but it's getting up and getting back up and getting up over and over and over again. You see, you're not a failure if you have fallen. The only thing that makes us a failure is when we fall and we don't get back up. 
That's the only difference between success and failure. Success is the one who everyone's going to fall, but we get back up again. And that is the whole theme of Christianity. When you go down, you have a comeback because you have a comeback Savior and you can rise up again. He rose from the dead. He took on the enemy that man has not yet conquered, but yet he defeated. And now his story, his story mixed with my story. Listen to this play on words. His story mixed with my story of pain, of loss, of failure, and of hopelessness is now history. His story makes my story history. It's history. It's in the past. Can I just encourage all of us in this room today and remind you that you're in a room full of comeback champions today. You may not realize it, but all around you are all kinds of people who at one time or another, we were counted out. Maybe we were counted out by ourselves. Maybe we were counted out by a parent. Maybe we were counted out by society or the people around us. There are some of us in this place today, in the last place that people ever expected you or me to be on April the 21st, 2019, was in a church service on Easter, celebrating and worshiping the fact that he's alive. Some of us just need to back up for a minute. And say, but by the grace of God, by the grace of God, here I am. By the grace of God, I am a comeback champion. They didn't think I would do it. They didn't think I could make it. They didn't think they would see me in 2019 lifting my hands and worshiping the Lord. But here I am. Here I am. Despite whatever was in our yesterday, no matter how bad our past looks, here we are today in church on this Easter Sunday morning, celebrating a resurrected and an undefeated Savior. And that makes you and me comeback champions today. You're a champion. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a champion. After this, after this post-resurrection encounter with Jesus, Simon Peter's story of failure simply became a story of history. After this moment of encountering the Lord after the resurrection, all of that stuff, all of those attributes, all of those negatives that we have for Simon Peter, they are just a story for history. His, his history before the resurrection was this. He was the guy who could never stand. He, he was the guy who was always taking two steps forward and three steps back. But now, now if you fast forward to the book of Acts, chapter 5, now when you see him, the sun would shine on him a particular direction. And it would cast a shadow, his shadow, in a particular direction. And the people who were sick and who were lame, just when they were in his shadow, and when the shadow of Simon Peter would cross them, they would be healed and they would be delivered, not by his touch, but just simply by his shadow. Just the influence of who he was would change lives, would bring healing, would bring deliverance. That's what a comeback champion can do. When we experience the power of Christ in our lives, not our power, not our righteousness, not our ability to do great things, but when we experience His power in our lives, we too have the, the ability to impact the lives of others in ways and at levels that we never even imagined. Can I just tell you that Jesus doesn't shun people. He doesn't shun people 
One of the most frustrating things for me, one of the most heartbreaking things for me is when I'm counseling individuals who have been down a rough road and they come in with this with this uh, defeated feel that somehow they're not worthy of the love of God, that somehow they've gone so far that there's no way God, even God could love them, that God could reach to them. But God never shuns Anyone, even those who deny him, doesn't matter how many times we've started and finished poorly. It doesn't matter our imperfections. It doesn't matter our failures. It doesn't matter your sin or your addiction. It does not matter. None of this scares him away because he is undefeated. And he comes to us. He comes to where we are. Anytime, not just on Easter. Easter's not just this event that we commemorate that happened over 2,000 years ago. Easter is an experience that you and I can have and live in and walk in every single day. The Apostle Paul, he was born outside of Jesus' earthly ministry. The Apostle Paul didn't experience him and know him when he was walking here on earth. But he said, he said it in that text that we read earlier from Corinthians. He said it this way. He appeared to Peter. He appeared to the twelve. He appeared to John. He even appeared to 500 at one time. Then he says this. It's as if, it's as if I was born in a different time because he came to me as well. He met me too. I never even saw him. I never even knew him when he walked on the earth, but he even came to me. I was actually traveling down a road. I was living my life. I was doing my thing. I was thinking I was doing the right thing. But then I encountered the resurrected Savior. And now my life is forever changed. We have one prayer at Life Church when we gather into this house. Our prayer is this. Not that you're impressed by anything that happens here, by music or song. Certainly not by the spoken word of this these feeble lips here, but our prayer and our cry is that everyone that walks in the room will have an encounter with the living Savior because we know that not a church service, not a song, not a sermon, but an encounter with the Lord will change everything in our lives. He says, I've encountered the resurrected Savior and now my life is forever changed. In essence, he would say, I am too a comeback champion. Jesus is still coming to people who need a comeback. He's still in the business of doing that. The writer of the gospel, the writers of of the gospels all say the same thing. That the first thing the visitors to the tomb saw was the stone. That's the first thing they noticed was the stone. When the women arrived at the tomb early on that morning, the first thing they noticed was this stone. They noticed that the stone had been rolled away. Here's my question to all of us today. This is your Sunday school question today. Why was the stone rolled away? Most would answer and say, so that Jesus could walk out. Well, that's not necessarily true because we know that it would just be a few moments later and Jesus is going walking through walls and locked doors as if they weren't even there. So Jesus could have easily just walked right out of the tomb without without the stone ever being moved. I want to tell us today that the reason the stone was rolled away was not so that he could get out, but so that we could come in. We need to see the empty tomb. We need to see the folded grave clothes. We need to see that he is who he says he is. That he was who he said he was. We need to see that he was able to do what he, and more than, more than above all, accomplish and do what he said he would accomplish and do. The rolled away stone is to give you and me access. The rolled away stone is to show us that the grave could not hold him. That's why the stone was rolled away. 
And whatever you think is holding you today, it can't hold you either. It can't hold you either. He's undefeated. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I'm closing with this. After hearing Mary's report on the first Easter, Peter went to seek Jesus out. All the failures in his life, all of the fumblings, all of the mishaps and the mistakes, but yet he runs to find Jesus. Luke's gospel records that he's the second one to actually walk into the tomb and verify that it was empty. He was looking for Jesus. You see, Simon Peter made a choice. Even though he was still living with the residue of his great failure and great denial, there was still this yearning inside of him, I want to find my Lord. And he goes to the tomb, and rather than being entrapped by the failure of his past, he was going to pursue hope and life with Jesus. Rather than spend his time looking at where he had been, he was going to have faith for where he could be. After his encounter with the resurrected Lord, his life was never the same again. One of the greatest struggles, one of the biggest struggles that we have in our lives is our past. Can we just be honest? Can we be real on this Easter Sunday and say that the greatest struggles for the most part in our lives is our history, is our past, our past mistakes, our past failures, the things that we did wrong, what we didn't do, the good starts with the poor endings. In every vehicle manufacturer, there's, there's, two, there's two components that's in every vehicle. They each have a rear view mirror. That's that little small mirror about this size mounted to your front windshield. And they all have a front windshield. And I think you need to notice, I think we all need to notice in comparison the size of the two. The windshield, which covers the whole width of the car, half of the height of the car, and the size of this little rear view mirror. But it seems like we'll use that in a vehicle when we're driving down Highway 15, but we don't seem to apply that to our everyday lives. And we're driving the car, the vehicle of our lives with this monstrous rear view mirror and, and, and just this little bit of an opening to view the possibility of what could be. We're always looking at what was, the failures, the mess ups, what I could have done, what I should have done. Maybe, just maybe. And if we keep spending our lives that way, looking back, we'll eventually find ourselves in a ditch or wrapped around a tree somewhere. At some point, just like Simon Peter, we've got to decide that what's in my past is in my past, and I'm going forward. The Apostle Paul would say in Philippians, he said, forgetting those things which are behind me, I press forward, I, I, I reach forward for those things which are ahead. Before we leave out of here today, can we just do one little exercise real quick? We've done this a few times before, but it, it, today's a good day to do it again. If you're in this room today, just take a moment 
And I want to ask you to physically do this. Just look over your right shoulder. Just, just turn your head around. Gaze at the, at, the, at the back of the head of the person behind you because they're turning around too. Everybody just turn around and look over your right shoulder. We've got a pretty glass back there of our mommy's room. You can maybe, some of you might can see your reflection. Just look over your right shoulder for a minute. Just, 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 just get a good glance. Get a good look. Look and, and get a good picture of everything that's over your right shoulder. Now look back at me. And let's do the same thing over our left shoulder. Just look back over your left shoulder. Maybe say a big howdy to the person right behind you on your left. But, but just, just get, get, a good, get a good image of everything that is behind you over your left shoulder. And then look back at me. And say these words with me today. By the power and the promise of the resurrection. That's the last time I'm looking back. That's the last time I'm looking back. Would you stand with me across this room today? I want to tell you that it's time to go forward. That's what Easter's all about. Easter's about rising up and going forward. Easter's not about looking back anymore. Easter's about a comeback champion. Easter is about the future. It's not just history. It's not just an event that happened. It is living today, and it's in your tomorrows. We can't do anything about what happened yesterday. But we can do something about today and we can change our tomorrows. My past is history. It is now his story. I've let it go. He can do with it what he wants to. He can even use that bad history in my life and work it out for good and give me influence in people's, other people's lives because of my bad history. Because my history is now his story. And now I'm moving forward. And just like Peter made a decision to run to Jesus, we need to make a decision today not just to believe in him but to believe in his power, to believe in his power, the power of the resurrection to give you and me a comeback, the comeback that we so desperately needed. The whole theme of Christianity is one of rising up again. Today, you and I, we are undefeated. You know why? Because he was undefeated. Father, we thank you for your presence in this house today. We thank you, Lord, that you are living alive and well right now in this room, in our hearts, in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages. God, you are alive and well. If we will just seek you, if we'll just look to you, God, we can experience the comeback. We can. I, I believe there are comeback champions in this room. For many of us, God, our story is we started out strong. We started out good. But we finished poorly. But we're thankful today, God, that that's not the end of the book. That's not the final chapter, Lord. You are writing our lives today. And we know that the end of the book says that we win. And so we look to you, God. We look to you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. The author and the finisher, the first and the last. The Alpha and the Omega are all in all. We look to you today, our comeback champion. And we thank you, God, Lord, that you've redeemed our past. God, that you've made our history your story. And now our story is one of being undefeated and walking in power. Walking in resurrection power today. And we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Would you put your hands together and give the Lord a great ovation of praise. We're going to sing together and then we're going to receive our building fund offering in just a moment. Let's worship together for a few moments today before we leave.
God bless you today on this most holy day of the year. The Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his love, his grace, and his goodness to follow you from this house. May he guide your steps until we gather back at this house of worship again. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. On the way home today, come by. We're rejoicing. We're worshiping. We're giving thanks to the Lord for allowing us to build his kingdom right here in Winsboro. God bless your day. May he keep you. Amen.